This episode of Power Tips Unscripted is sponsored by the Extreme Business Makeover. It's two days of interactive, thought-provoking presentations, breakouts, and panel discussions with some of the remodeling industry's best and brightest. If you are motivated and ready to grow your business, this is a must-attend event. Join us on January 29th and 30th in Baltimore, Maryland, and get the tools you need to improve your business in 2019 and beyond. Visit ExtremeMakeoverEvent.com for more information and to register. You want answers? Put that coffee down. You talking to me? Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Mike Medford Sr., president of Medford Design Build with offices in Arlington and Colleyville, Texas. Something we preach here at Remodelers Advantage is the business owners should be hitting a nice net profit after you've been paid an above average salary. Now, when the economy is booming, you can get away with a lot. Some will even hit that net entirely by accident. But this isn't a one-and-done proposition. Your goal is to achieve consistent and healthy net profits year after year in any economic climate. And Mike is here to let you know just how to do it. Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Yes, you are. So it's back after the holidays, ready to rock and roll here, ready to talk business, one of our favorite things to do. Yeah, and the best part, profits. Yeah, you know, it's it's so wonderful when you see companies that have figured out how to make profits consistently. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's when the rewards really start to add up for you. Yeah, well, they say, you know, even a blind squirrel finds another as well. But, you know, if you can do it over and over again, then you know what you're doing. You know, so I'm really looking forward to this particular guest because we got talking at one of our conferences. I think it was at one of our summits that we do every fall. Mm -hmm. And I was it was just a great conversation. It was just so exciting to talk to somebody who really feels really sounds like and acts like they have their their stuff together in terms of how they make money in this company, how they make this business work. It sounds like it's a good guest to have. That is right. So let's get started. So today I want to welcome to this episode, Mike Medford Sr. Again, he's the president of Medford Design Build in Texas. And I've known Mike for a long time, but I finally had this great opportunity to get into this conversation with him about making money and profits and that sort of thing. So as we got talking, I got more and more excited about having him on the show. So welcome aboard, Mike. Thank you, Victoria. I'm glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about your business. How long have you been in business? Well, I've been a contractor since 1977. Wow. And uh, it's it's a long and storied career. <laughs> the particular the Medford Design Build, uh, we started this one in 2007, and that's when I partnered with my son, and uh, we started the remodeling business. Um and then in 2014 is when we became university members, and that's when ah, we that's right. uh, branded ourselves as a design build firm. And uh, we've learned so much from you guys, and it's been it's been an awesome uh, relationship. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And now you're going to be returning the favors to all these listeners. So, I hope so. let's start talking about profits. So okay. one of the things that you talked about was profit mod. What do you mean by that? And, you know, how do you create that? Well, uh, 
you know, there's always talk about financial modeling, which is a uh, an abstract re representation of reality, and they, and those models get really complicated. And I'm always trying to simplify things and and make it easy to understand. And so, in the when I look at profit, obviously you have revenue, but then the three numbers that are critical are the uh, gross profit, your operations cost as a percentage. Uh, of the uh, revenue and then your net profit but those three numbers the uh, the uh, gross profit the operation percentage and the uh, net profit you know they they uh, they just are always fluxing because you know if your revenue changes then your uh, operation percentage goes up mm -hmm. um, if you don't have good estimating and good uh, job control your gross profit can fluctuate mm -hmm. and it's it's just always a flux mm -hmm. and um, so you know I've always looked at those three numbers <clears throat> and you know the go-to uh, model is making sure you have at least a 30 percent gross profit spend about 20 percent on your operations and then bring home a 10 percent net profit mm -hmm. and a in a the the biggest gift that you guys gave us is when you published the uh, the metrics of the top ten percent of the roundtables mm -hmm. uh, companies, and when we saw those, and we were already tracking towards those numbers, mm -hmm. but you know it, it kind of changed that model from a fluctuating model to a fixed model because those became the numbers. Oh, okay. And so what I did when you published those, I added a couple of points. Because I figured that's the uh, the average of the best. I want to be the best of the best. So <laughs> that's good. We had I like a that. few points and and got the team together in our quarterly meeting, and I, you know, said these are these are hard targets now. You know, we've got to figure this out. So it's 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 a matter of um, getting those three numbers in balance and um, and trying to figure out how to get them to be a fixed target and not a moving target. Well, so what are? Give me a couple of specific things that you did to start to achieve those tough goals? Well, the, you know, the first thing that we did is we, uh, the design team and the administration team got together and we really tightened up our estimates. We automated a lot of it. Um, we do all of our estimating on uh, Excel spreadsheet templates that we've built mm -hmm. over the years. Mm -hmm. we really, we really brought those, um, to a, a much better place where it wasn't allowing for slippage and we could identify um, where money was going out and all. Um, and then the other thing that we did is uh, we, you know, we're always talking about process, process, process. And so I took an Excel spreadsheet and I, and I put our process from like a critical path, mm -hmm. from, you know, from the inspiration to the marketing, to the, um, design to production and administration all the way down to profit in a straight line down the the spreadsheet and then to the left of that um, the manager is blocked off on which area that he has and then to the right of it um, the person who owns that task you know because we wear multiple hats like most right. small businesses do and and so this, you know, becomes like a, a profit code um, because if that if that critical path isn't working right, then you know you're not going to spit the profits out. And if it's working really bad, it'll suck money. Uh, so, um, so what we do is we lay that we made that uh, that 
template out of our process and, and went through and made everything that we could do better or had an issue, we, we made it red. And so that that's gave me something to do is to go and, and help the manager or the person owns that task to fix those things. And it was, you know, like in marketing, making sure that we weren't doing marketing that wasn't giving us an ROI or some long-term branding mm-hmm. um, in the design uh, process, you know, the estimating was, uh, we fixed a lot of that. And then the production guys, um, we've got a really strong production team. My son runs that and I try to stay his hands off and I just challenged him. I said, you know, you guys are spending 70% of the money on, on labor and cost. You can find us four or 5%. And they, they started listening to Tim's podcast and all and really got behind <laughs> it. And, great. um, and, and we're very open book and uh, a good percentage of their income is out of the profits and, and, and quarterly bonuses. So oh. charge them mm-hmm. so just it's a hundred little things to really tighten it up to make sure that um, we're running the best that we can. Mike, what's the, um, just a sense for our listeners? What's the size of your company? How many employees? Uh, we're pacing uh, two million um, this year. A uh, little over two million, and we have uh, ten employees, including our uh, four-legged stress control manager. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's nice. We're looking yeah. at a little dog bed in the background here. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. Now, and, do you, Mike? Do you work in the company as well as on the company? Um, I I try not to. Uh, you know, the the management team is tasked to uh, keep me away from the clients and the in the the jobs as much as possible. Okay. Um, I get involved in the larger projects. I do the structural design work. Mm-hmm. My background's all in structural stuff, and so I I get involved in the design end of it um, okay. on the bigger jobs, and then I go to the background and. Uh, don't go back out to the projects until they're finished and see the finished project. Nice. Okay, great. So there's a little bit of a luxury that you have to have you, who obviously is a process-minded person that has some of the time to focus on a lot of these little improvements and and manage it throughout the organization as well, would you say? That's that's really important, and um, and it's and that's one of the reasons you want to get your profit up so you can afford to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. You know, if you're only running a, a 10% or less net profit, it's really hard to grow. You don't really, it's really hard to have the money to hire good talent. And uh, so we've uh, uh, really worked on trying to keep the profit level up so that we can have good talent. And so I can stay in the background as much as possible. So, you know, you, you have to have a culture in which everybody's focused on profit, I would think. Absolutely. So how do you create that? How do you drive that desire through your team? Well, I call it a, a profit-centric culture, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's all, all we talk about is profit. We don't, we don't talk about revenue, especially in this market. We don't need to. Um, but everybody um, is tied to the bottom line, and everybody's income and bonuses are tied to the bottom line. So um, if we have a quarterly um, meetings with all the management team to uh, review the, the numbers and, and, and bring up the issues. And, uh, but it's just, it just always, you know, profits, you know, 
profit's not a dirty word and, and we, we keep it on the forefront and, and if we don't have a profit, then uh, we can't, uh, we can't survive. And, and so it's, it's just, it's just the main thing that we do and focus on. Could you tell us a little bit about the bonus structure that you've just referenced a couple of times and how you have set it up? So I'm assuming there's smaller salaries or uh, compensation from an overhead point of view or a cost of goods point of view, either one. And then you give these bonuses. I mean, will you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Um, the uh, uh, All the employees are on salary. Uh, the field guys are hourly, uh, but the, the some of the staff is salary, but they're, and the income's enough for them to make a decent living. Um, but what we do is we have them focus on the gross profit. And so, um, when a job's every quarter, we get, we compile the jobs that are um, finished and, uh, we have a sliding scale. And so they get a percentage of the gross profit. And so the, you know, we have a, we have a target that we try to hit on the job. And um, if they hit that target, then they get a percentage. And then if they, if we exceed it, then their bonus percentage goes up. And then okay. if they miss it, it goes down and goes to nothing pretty quick. If it gets, if it gets too low. As it should. eh? Yes. So yes. Do you, if you're looking at a, one of an average of your employees, how, what percentage of their salary is potential for them in a bonus? 20%. Okay. Nice. Yeah, because I, you know, the way I look at it is, is eighty percent of their money should be, you know, pretty well guaranteed to them, so they're not having to lay awake, you know, worrying about paying bills and all, and uh, and you know, and I, and I always tell them not to use the bonuses to change their lifestyle. It should, you know, strictly be a bonus, and you know, I encourage them to save and bank mm-hmm. and. I always warn them about the next recession. Yeah, so. yeah. We always got to watch out for that, eh? So you talked, when, you know how we ask all of our guests to give us some ideas on questions and so on. And you have one here I thought was very interesting. It is, what is the art of contracting? Well, you know, I think that the contracting has really phased out of the business, the focus on contracting. It used to be that, you know, guys like us were called contractors mm-hmm. and, you know, now we're designers and builders and all these. And, and, um, and, you know, again, you know, 60 to 70% of the revenue is going out on, on contracts. I mean, every, every, if you do a, a, a big kitchen, you may have a hundred contracts and some of them may be handshake deals. Some mm-hmm. of them are, with attorneys and, and all, but, you know, the people you hire, the, uh, you know, what you pay them, how you pay them, how they're going to do it. You know, you have all these agreements and, and, and I look at that very seriously. And I, um, I just, I go through and I make sure every agreement is the best for everybody. And, you know, is it's good for the client It's good for the guys working on the project and it's good for the business. And, um, and, and the other, the other part of that is, is that, you know, you have to build to, to get excellent profits. You have to have an excellent team and an excellent process. And um, I think that, you know, you got to do it better than everybody else. And and so, the art is, you know, figuring out, you know, what it uh, the market will bear, 
uh, and what people charge for, let's say, a kitchen mm-hmm. and do it better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, so if if, uh, you know, if, if a kitchen's fifty thousand dollars and let's say a 30 percent gross profit, which is fifteen thousand dollars. Well, you know, if we're bigger, better and faster and we get it done and, and get a 40 percent, you know, we, we shouldn't penalize ourselves for that and and try to cut the cost that should go straight to the bottom line right. and that's 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 what we focused on okay i just think that i just think that the industry's kind of lost the focus on on contracting and and we talk about a lot around here okay great good thank you for sharing that <clears throat> now you mentioned a few of the metrics that you follow gross profit overhead percentage and net profit are there other metrics and how do you how do you present them to all of the team? You know, how do you communicate that throughout the organization? Well, we we um, graph everything. Um, I think I sent you a graph of, of our, our profit percentage, but we uh, we we measure the incoming leads. We measure the closing ratios. We measure the the cost of goods, uh, marketing, uh, operations expense. And then the net profit, okay. and and all of those are on graphs because you know one of the issues that in the past is you know when when you're really busy and you have a really good month you know well is that was that an anomaly or are you really busy and and if you graph it and put um, uh, trend lines on it mm-hmm. you know it you can tell you can tell if you know if it's a blip or if it's trending in the right direction but our charts have uh, their bars for what we're measuring, and then we have uh, three, six, and twelve-month trend lines on there. And so, if uh, um, you know the three and six-month trend lines are on the bottom side of the twelve-month trend lines, and you know they're pointing down, you know you're you're going in the wrong direction. Right. If, if it's on something that you want to go up, but it's the the team seems to be able to understand the numbers better with the charts. Okay, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. And how often are you reviewing that with the team? Um, every uh, every quarter, every three months. Okay. We uh, since we used to do it monthly, but as we got into bigger and bigger jobs, and our most of our jobs now, you know, last two, three, four months. So uh, it it's just better to do it quarterly. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we're all, but we're on top of it, and we're fo- forecasting into the next quarter, and we're looking at it internally every month or every week at times. And who's re- so who's re- responsible for for all the the data? Is it is any one person compiling everything, or do you have like the person in charge of marketing putting that together, and so on and so forth? No, our, our administrative man, our administrative manager does that. Okay, um, they bring in the. Uh, when they download the the numbers out of the bank account and put it into QuickBooks, and then we we run basically two sets of books, one for cash flow and one for accounting, mm-hmm. and uh, the administration uh, manager does that. Now you had mentioned that you're very open book. Do you think, first of all, do you think that that has had an influence on your profitability? And second part of that question is, can you tell us a little bit about how you do it and what information you share to what to what degree? Oh, it's absolutely makes a difference because, you know, again, if you want a profit centric uh, culture, you know, you have to show everybody how it works and, and, you know, they don't. So we basically show them the key metrics, you know, that that's, you know, they don't get to 
go through the checkbook or anything like that. Right. But but we they we are open book with by showing them the graphs of the key metrics and it has the the dollar amounts and the percentages. But uh, that's that's the only way I can see to make it work if uh, if you want to have a, a profit centric culture. How long? So you said um, really you kind of had a turning point um, where you you saw the top ten percent metrics at at a roundtable's meeting. You said okay, now I, I got something to shoot for, and then you had an all hands on meeting. How long did it take before you started to see an impact from from that initial meeting to numbers? Pointing up. It was. I mean, the, the very next quarterly meeting, we saw everything rise, and it, it was it was an immediate effect. Nice, because everybody just you know dug in and and really figured it out. And uh, and like I said, we were we were already trending that way, but it just it just kind of gave us a, a, an extra boost mm-hmm. by seeing those numbers. So once your people got sort of got their arms around it and started making things happen. Can you think of, like, from the production department, for example, a couple of things? You talked about those little, many, many, many little changes. Can you think of any specific changes that had a big impact in the production side of things? Well, the the biggest impact was the doing the handoff, and uh, we learned learned that from you guys is that we, uh, you know, we weren't doing our handoffs very well. Um, we were basically, you know, getting the plans and everything together and just giving it to the production guys and saying, here you go. But, but now we're taking Tim's advice and we're taking them out to the job site, walking it through and, and uh, they're just hitting the ground running a lot quicker that okay. way. Okay. And they're, um, and we've talked to them about planning. Uh, and I, I believe that the, the runs to the lumber store and the efficiencies are a lot better now. <laughs> that can save a lot of money, can't it? Oh yeah, it, it really is people driving around it's just the windshield time costs a lot of money Mm -hmm. no so when you are estimating a job are you building in time for these people to plan like i think tim used to say a half an hour a day or something like that for a lead carpenter when they were on the job absolutely yeah we and that's another thing we learned from you early is that uh, making sure that the cost of goods included everything that 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 job needed, mm-hmm. which includes project management time and Good. planning time. Good that's, deal. That's, that's, that's on the line item right next to the design time. So do you have a rule or a guideline for monies that you keep in the business, like a rainy day fund, an emergency fund, uh, cash to cover overhead for a while, that sort of thing? Absolutely. Yeah, that's another thing we learned from you is we, <laughs> start, we started the vault uh, oh, a and uh and we peel off five percent of every every deposit we put five percent in that and you know we're not allowed to touch it good and for you so if you were to look at that amount of money right now how much like here i try to strive for four to five months of overhead covered yeah that's it and we we try to get keep six six months is my rule of thumb all right good deal Take our operations cost, you know, our true overhead, mm-hmm. and uh, and then figure six months, and that's how much we try to keep in the vault to uh, keep us uh, protected from a, a downturn. So, do you, if you know, you've been through this even longer than I've been through this, so you know there's cycles in this business. So we know there is going to be another downturn coming, right? I'm hearing different time frames. We know one's coming. Do you have a plan on how you're going to maintain your profitability when that 
happens? Uh, yes. Um, you know, the, the downturn's inevitable, and I think it's going to be the end of this year and into, into 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, who, nobody knows how deep it's going to be. But, um, you know, some of the things that we do is that we, we have a very strong marketing arm and uh, we turn down a lot more business than we accept so that that will help you know that that buffer will will help in that and then the other thing that we did uh last year the year before um is we uh, branded a a handyman division i saw that mike's guys yeah yeah yeah, that's great yeah yeah, my son's name is mike also and he's you know he's got a phone with you know about a hundred guys that are the best of the best and um so what we we tell our clients is, is anytime you want to do anything to your house, I mean, if, you know, if a, a kid pops, you know, a hole in the drywall or you need a, you know, a furniture put together, whatever, you know, we can do that for you. So we just try to get them to call us first and then, um, and then we can either give them a name and number or we can go out and help them. But we've got a, a young guy that's running that for us now and doing a fantastic job. Oh, that's great. You know, I find that that's a challenging uh, service to offer and make money. But is it a profit center for you as well? Yeah, that, see, we're a little different on that because uh, as as we, um, the guys that are with me and have been with me forever, uh, for a long, long time, and we're all we're all framers and, and trim carpenters and things like that. So we're, we're you know, really true handyman type of guys. And... Um, as we got bigger, you know, we noticed that we were getting as many of the smaller jobs and, and we actually make our best money on five to $10,000 projects oh, Okay, because these guys are so good and they can bang them out so fast. And, um, so, uh, one of the reasons we did that was because, you know, as you, you do the bigger jobs, you, you have to, re- you have to reduce your gross profit. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't make the same money on a $300,000 same percentage on a $300,000 job as you can a $5,000 job. Mm-hmm. Right, so, right. So we're, um, we're pumping up that arm of the business so that um, when the big jobs start, if and when the big jobs start falling off, um, we can put more uh, energy into the, the smaller jobs and make a bigger percentage. And so that, that should help. And then also as we've been growing, every, every step of the way in our growth, um, we make sure that that we can scale it down quickly. Any, you know, anything that we've done to um, take on overhead or employees, you know, it's it's all set and ready to pull the plug on it. <laughs> you know, uh, when I hire somebody, I just you know don't. If we have work, you've got work, and you know we don't we don't keep anybody around that isn't uh, uh, productive and and day to day. We just uh, expanded our office space and the landlord uh, gave us uh, just we could go month to month on that. You know, just just things like that. Just uh, as you grow, just keep in mind that it could retract and make sure that you can scale it back as as quickly as possible. Okay, that's very cool. So, Mike, I only have one more question for you. Are you ready for the lightning round? Sounds electrifying. Let's do it. And now, here's a Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap! Okay, here we go. Let's put 30 seconds. Nah, let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Oh, man. (laughs) What's your favorite business book and why? 
My favorite book is Norman Vincent Peale's Power of Positive Thinking. I read that book in my 20s and it, it changed my life. It, it teaches you how to achieve a permanent optimistic attitude and, and that's the greatest tool that I had. If you weren't the president of Medford Design Build, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd be a hippie micro farmer. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. That's great. What are you not very good at? Uh, following rules. I find them to be, uh, hold me back too much. <laughs> your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? My desk. What's the last thing you watched on TV? Mad Men. What's your, that's a good one. What's your biggest pet peeve? Golly. I don't think I have one. Oh. I just I just go along, get along. Well, that hippie thing's working for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. really. <laughs> Do you sing in the shower? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you sing last time? Bohemian Brass today. Nice. I just went and saw the movie, and, and I just can't get it out of my head. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, Mike, really, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on this. You know, I just love hearing these success stories, and you've got your stuff dialed in, you know? So I, I, I really appreciate you sharing this with our group and our listeners and just, you know, taking the time out of your day to be here. Oh, you're welcome. I, I, I so appreciate you guys. You guys give us so much information, and it's, uh, it's just been an awesome relationship, and I'm looking forward to seeing you at the end of this month. Now, before you go, though, I want you to share your five words of wisdom with our listening audience. Uh, my five words of wisdom are peace, love, rock and roll. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the thing that I learned is I, the biggest gift I could give myself is a peaceful mind. And uh, it takes work and uh, perseverance, but it's attainable and it's easy once you get there. And uh, love. So love. do you meditate? Yes. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah. I've been meditating for 20 years. Really? And, uh, it's, it's really made a big difference in my life. Wow. Okay. And uh, love, I mean, approach everything with a loving heart and surround yourself with loving people. Mm -hmm. And there's a synergy there that uh, just attracts great things. And then rock and roll, you know, just have some fun, yeah. you know. <laughs> right. uh, one, of the, one of the greatest compliments I've gotten from the teams that I've coached and managed over the years is they always say that, you know, I make work fun. Oh, that's great. And, you know, if you're not laughing, you're not living. So I like uh, that. That's my motto. Yeah, so, there you go. Do, do is I, that five words, too? If you're not no. laughing, yeah, no, that's too yeah. bad. <laughs> that was a good one, though. Well, thank you so much for being here. Greatly appreciate it. And I'm sure that our listeners are going to find this fascinating. So, again, thanks. Okay, thanks, Victoria. Mark. Okay, Mark. Thanks. Thanks. Have a great Bye. Bye-bye. Good stuff. Yeah, you know, creating that profit-centric culture. That's cool. I like that. I like that. Is I wonder if he can trademark that. Oh yeah, the he profit should. centric culture. Yeah, that was good. You know, and the the idea that they focus so much of their energy looking at gross profit revenue is like not important. I mean, it's not not important, but it's not the important thing. Yeah, re revenue is more of like a, a vanity number. Right? Yeah, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, if it you, is if... exciting when you hit that <laughs> next one. I kind of you know, it is exciting to hit that well, next threshold. Sure, sure, but you know. Making a $400,000 net profit on $4 million versus making 400000 on $10 million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that or, net profit's the... Or 5% on anything, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's aiming for the higher numbers. He's challenging himself and his team. And it sounds like they're doing it and consistently doing it. And he's got a plan. He's not leaving stuff up to chance. I just love that whole attitude. It's a good one. And, you know, he... 
get, always can fall back on is hippie micro farming <laughs> right. if things right. there is a downturn apparently. Right. What is micro farming? You know those little tiny greens, those little tiny vegetables that are just like tiny. thanks thanks for that description i wouldn't have figured that out okay so it's just really tiny is it like those little tiny corn looking things that you eat the corn no what are those things called you know it's baby corn i don't know it's it's like the size of uh it's like two inches yeah i know i know but like that's in chinese food those little oh yeah 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 yeah, that i don't know is that micro farm no no (laughs) (laughs) no it's not i don't think all right well i'm not a piece so i don't know maybe it is is it me or does he sound exactly like... He does not. You don't think he sounds like Johnny Cash? No. He totally does. I don't know. Sounds like Johnny Cash to me, man. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, Another we've good derailed. One. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. Once again. All right. Good stuff. We yes. appreciate Mike being here. He, he shared a lot of good in, insights. And mm-hmm. um, you know, of course, we appreciate you for joining us every week. And thanks for being here. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.